0: ...against the idea that it's okay to treat ethnic minorities as dangerous criminals and foreign invaders. You can't erase your grandfather's mistakes and their consequences, but you can do the right thing and acknowledge them. You can write a new paragraph with Rohe Motohara's name on our school. At the school board meetings, everyone wrapped up their speeches by saying thank you and walking away from the podium to huge cheers from our audience. But it feels silly to say thank you here, and no one's cheering for me now. That's for sure. So I just stand there, slowly suffocating from the tension in the room. Mom's arms remain crossed, and her mouth is set in a hard line. Alice, at her desk, looks uncertain about what she should do. Trey just nods slowly. It's kind of horrible. Just when I think I'm going to pass out from anxiety, Trey says, "Well, that was a very impressive. What do you think, Michelle?" Mom nods but doesn't smile. I don't know what to do with that. I glance nervously at the others, but they seem as lost as me. Nikki comes to her senses first. "So," she says, "will you consider funding the name change with a statement about why, maybe?" "I would love to give you a definite answer," Trey replies. "'but I'm going to have to table this issue for now "'and get back to you another time. "'I have a pretty important deal to negotiate upstairs "'and I had to leave it to come down and listen to you all. "'Not that I didn't enjoy the break.' "'Trey reaches out and shakes her hand, hands one by one "'and says briskly, "'It's been great to meet you all, "'but Miss Katsuyama and I do have, a, have to get back to our meeting. "'Thanks for dropping in.' "'All right, guys,' says Mom, "'in the tone she uses when she's kicking me off my phone.' you're done. She barely looks at me and she doesn't even say goodbye before she turns her back and follows Trey through the double doors at the end of the path. Um, Thank you for your time, Owen calls after them, and the rest of us barely have time to add our hurled thanks before two security guards appear and shepherd us out the door. Chapter 52. Once we get outside, I'm shaking so hard I feel like I might collapse in on myself. Emily gives me a long hug. You did great. I don't know, I say. I'm afraid to let go of her. I feel like she's holding me together. That was supposed to be our moment of triumph. And Trey just, like, dismissed us. Like, we didn't even matter. She releases me, and it's Owen's turn. It was our moment of triumph, he says. Right? The others murmur their assent. You have the video? Miser asks Nikki. Right here, says Nikki, and I sent the email with her statement. He can pretend this was all his idea and look good, or we can tell everyone that we gave him the opportunity and he turned it down. It all feels like false hope to me, but I don't want to be a downer, so I smile and say they're probably right. On the way home with Owen, though, I can't hold back. This was a huge mistake. We never should have tried it. Did you see my mom? She's never going to forgive me. She saw you standing up for what you believe, Siege. She saw you being proactive and going after your vision. All the stuff you said she loves. She can't be mad about that. She saw me sabotage her goals and she saw me fail, is what she saw. Owen sighs and doesn't try to argue with me anymore, but he stops at Hart's desire and makes me come inside with him. Hannah gives me a hug and a cup of Colt's foot tea for justice, she says. After a whispered consultation with her, Owen disappears into the storeroom and brings back three irises and a Monterey pine cone left over from our golf course cap- caper, all tied together with a ribbon. There wasn't any green pine branches, he says apologetically. The irises are for a noble heart, and the pine cone substitute means hope in adversity. His impromptu arrangement is clumsy, hopeful, heartfelt a lot like what we just did at McAllister VC. It's enough to win me over, but I have my doubts about anyone else. 53. I spend the rest of the evening at Owen's house. I can't bear to face Mom after the way I flamed out this afternoon. To be honest, I don't know if I'd be able to face her if I totally crushed it either. When Owen finally drives me home at 10, all the lights in the house are off. We kiss for a while in the truck. Finally, he says, time for you to go. Do I have to? I kiss his square jaw, his ears. Can't I go back home with you? Believe me, I wish you could. He gives me one more long, sweet kiss and pushes me gently away from him. Good night, Siege. I'll see you tomorrow. Reluctantly, I say good night and go inside to my room. I'm finishing up the last of some history reading when I hear a knock on my door and mom appears wearing a Princeton lacrosse t-shirt and pajama pants. You got a moment? She asks. I nod and she leans on my dresser and waits while I shut my laptop and put my history textbook away. Inside my skull, my mind is racing. Is she mad at me? Is she hurt? Is she going to tell me about Trey's decision? It was quite a stunt you pulled at NBC today, she says at last. That doesn't give me much to go on. I know, I say. I'm sorry, do you hate me? Of course not. Don't be ridiculous, she retorts, and I relax a little. Okay, I thought you might be mad at me. She crosses her arm and says, dryly, oh, I was mad. What you did was rude to Trey and Alice, embarrassing to me and inconsiderate to the building staff, who had to deal with the flowers. I spent a lot of time apologizing to a lot of people on your behalf. Not to mention it went directly against what I asked you to do. I knew it. I knew it was a bad idea. I'm not mad anymore, though, she smiles. In fact, I'm proud of you, kiddo. I just wanted to let you know. Oh my god, this can only mean one thing. Did Trey agree to pay for the name change? Oh, um, Mom hesitates before saying, He didn't tell me, but to be honest, your chances aren't great that he'll personally bankroll the whole thing. My heart sinks and I realized that I'd been building up hope despite myself. Another crushing defeat for CJ. Then why? Because you saw a creative solution to your problem and used what you had and went after it even though it was risky. You were audacious and you were smart and you were resourceful and I'm proud of you for that. I want so much to enjoy this weird pocket in time where mom is actually telling me in actual words that she's proud of me. proud of me. I try to take the compliment in. I try to bask in it like sunshine, but I can't because I'm stuck on the fact that I failed and a praise feels like a consolation prize. Nice try. Better luck next time. What's wrong, she says. I thought you'd be happy to hear that I was proud of you. But I totally blew it. It was, I don't know, I don't know why I ever thought it was going to work. I don't know what it is that does it, disappointment, self-pity, the cumulative exhaustion of years of trying and failing to be as great as she wishes I were, but tears well up from the bottomless pit of neediness that I've tried so hard to grow out of, and I choke on my next words. Hannah says you've never been proud of anything I've done, and I believe her. All I ever do, I can't do anything right, nothing you care about anyway. I realize that I sound like I blame her and I'm trying to start a fight even though I'm not. She came in here to bond with me and make me feel better and I'm ruining it. Why can't I stop screwing things up? She must hate it so much, how predictably I fall short. It must be torture to be so brilliant, so blazingly talented, so successful and have to drag me shuffling and stumbling along behind her, unwilling and unable to keep up. Be honest, mom. Did I ruin your life? Do you ever regret having me? Even as I say this, I don't want to hear her answer. I'm so afraid. I can barely even look at her. And When I see her anguished expression, something around my heart squeezes so tightly that I wonder how it's still beating. Oh, Siege, you know I chose to have you. But that's... My voice cracks, and I have to fight to get the rest of the sentence up. That's not the same thing as being happy about it. You told me last year that having a baby was like breaking a vase you couldn't fix. You said it would ruin my life. How do you know? It's because you think I ruined yours? Or, it's because you think I ruined yours. You didn't ruin my life, CJ. You have to believe that. Mom leans toward me, the intensity of her plea radiating off her like heat. I want to, but... She gathers herself back in, looks up at the ceiling, closes her eyes, takes a breath. CJ, the tech world, the work world, it punishes women for being mothers. People think that if you're not willing to prioritize work over family time, you shouldn't have the job. They think that woman won't work as hard when we have families. Having a baby when I was young and couldn't call the shots got in the way of your career. Mom looks pained, but she doesn't back down. No one wants to promote a single mom because no one believes she can work hard enough to do her job well. I worked harder than anyone at the office, including men with families, And everyone still assumed I wouldn't be able to handle as much responsibility as the men. I felt like a shitty mom, and I didn't get promoted as fast as other people. It sucked. And that's why you regret having me. The unfairness of it all, to mom and to me, leaves me feeling burned and blistered. No, CJ, I'm saying it wasn't easy. I didn't want you to go through the same thing. Babies slow you down. It's just a fact. She stands up and starts pacing. The regret... Sometimes I think I'm just not cut out for parenthood, and you're suffering because of it. She turns to me, pleading. It has nothing to do with who you are or anything you've done. It's me. Sometimes I'm afraid I'll never be able to be the mother you need. I'm not asking you to be the world's greatest mom. No, but I am. But that's not fair. It makes me feel like I have to be the world's greatest daughter, and I'm not. I'll never be. My voice breaks, and I look away and breathe, breathe, breathe. But the tears still come. Oh, Siege, her own eyes fill with tears, and she sits down and wipes her arms around me, and I cry and cry for all the times I've failed her, for the times that she's failed me, for how unfair it all is, and for the vast and barren emptiness that separates me from any idea of how I can fix things. It's so hard, she says, when I've calmed down a little. I'm really good at what I do for work. I put in more effort, more time, and it pays off but with you and me, I can never tell. Like now, I try to make you feel good about yourself and ended up making you cry. I feel like a failure all the time. You're not. Neither are you. But what if I never become what you hoped for? The important thing is that you become what you hope for. What if it's something you don't want? Mom grimaces. I'm terrified of that, frankly. It's not up to me what you end up doing with your life and I don't like it when things aren't up to me but I'm working on it and I'm fairly certain that you'll be okay. I make a face because I'm not so certain. CJ, mom puts her hands on my cheek and gazes into my eyes. You marched into the office of one of the wealthiest most powerful men in Silicon Valley and demanded that he pay a million dollars to take his own family's name off a public building. Trust me. With a nerve like that, you'll be okay. When I get home from school the next day, there's an unusual arrangement on my desk. It's a bunch of hawthorn branches, hope. Seams of stems of fennel and cluster of oak moss, worthiness and healing. It's all wound around and held together with strands of lace lichen, the bond between mother and child. I turn it around in my hands, The bright green oak moss contrasts with the pink buds of the hawthorn blossoms. The textures, too, are varied. Tickly, soft fennel fronds, sharp prickles on the hawthorn branch, tender, tangled lichen. I can tell that mom made it herself. It's messy and amateurish and unstable, and there's no easy way to hold it without getting pricked or accidentally knocking some of the moss off. But I can feel her whole heart in it, and that's enough for me. Mm. (laughs) baby I love you the history of the Katsuyama family part 3 April 2019 McAllister Venture Capital purchases Heart's Desire from Mimi and Hannah Katsuyama they name it the Frank Katsuyama building after Mimi and Hannah's father and make a commitment to use the space exclusively for and I quote Companies with members of underrepresented minorities in significant leadership positions whose products materially improve the lives of others. Mimi leaves MVC to start Katsuyama MicroVentures. Hannah locks the doors of Heart's Desire for the last time, and both of them spend the rest of April at home, driving each other up the wall. 54. Brin's in the Mercury News again this morning, looking stunning in a midnight blue halter top gown sparkling with rhinestones. McAllister High School's first lesbian prom queen didn't bring a date, but she looks happy anyway, surrounded by a flock of hashtag winners, including a girl with a shy smile and a long chestnut braid woven with wildflowers. Looks like you had fun anyway, I say to Emily through a bite of chocolate croissant. There weren't any left in the bakery display case when we got home, but Tim came through with our secret stash from the kitchen. I did have fun. You and Owen should have gone. We had our own fun. Last night was Hannah's last event for, ever for Heart's Desire. It was a 15th anniversary party for Tom and Delia O'Hara, parents of Dimpled Blake and Aubrey slash Scarlett. Owen and I stuck around and drank champagne and ate fancy do- hors d'oeuvres "'off silver trays, and even danced a little bit. "'When Tom and Delia each stood up "'and made little speeches about how much "'they still loved each other after 20 years together "'and 15 years of marriage, "'I may have gotten a little misty-eyed. "'Owen for sure did, because he's such a sappy puffball. "'It was the way they smiled at each other that did it. "'It was definitely real. M smiles and says, "'Maybe that'll be you and Owen in 20 years. "'Maybe not, I say.' I may have adjusted my opinion, but that doesn't make me a whole new person. Okay, well, maybe that'll be you and Owen at prom next year. Maybe don't even talk about next year. We'll all probably have plans for college by then, she, she muses. Okay, really, stop now, please. I've already got my mom breathing down my neck about SATs and college counselors. I have a meeting with one this week, in fact. I shudder. I am not looking forward to it. But now you can put Storm on your, like, list of accomplishments. You mean my list of accomplishments because it's just the one. Oh, you mean my list of accomplishment, because it's just the one. M rolls her eyes. Plus, the school board doesn't even vote until after I meet with this counselor guy, so it's not like I can say we succeeded. CJ! She's so easy to fool. I kid, I kid. I'm proud of us no matter how they vote. I bet I could even get Trey to write me a letter of... I'm not sure he'd recommend me for anything. To be honest, I don't even know what he's decided yet. A letter of something, anyway. He could talk about how I disrupted the nonprofit fundraising model. That would be cool, right? And there's and then and there's your flower magic business. Yeah, though I prefer to call it a youth-oriented independent floral design enterprise. It's defunct now that Hearts Desire has closed. But I'm hopeful I'll get work somewhere somehow. I've seen the architects' plans for the transformation of Hart's Desire into Macalester Venture Capital Startup Incubator. Our comfortable little painted brick store is going to become a sleek modern space with lots of stainless steel and glass. It will be completely unrecognizable. But as Hannah pointed out, it will still be a place to increase the odds of people finding happiness. Or as mom put it once before I told her to speak English, A place to actuate the future and improve quality of life. I like to think of it as a place where people focus on possibility. I'm gonna miss Heart's Desire, says M. Yeah, same. How do you feel now that it belongs to the McAllisters again? Sad, I guess. Hannah says it's fate. Flax, I think, automatically. Do you think it's fate? I've thought about this one. No, I say... Calling it fate makes it seem like there's nothing you can do to change a bad situation before or after it happens, but you can. You can't change a bad thing after it happens, but you can try to make things better now. You can make sure it doesn't happen again. People talk about starting over after they've made a big mistake or a bad choice in life, but you can never really start over. You can't fully reset, and I don't think you should. There's no point in dwelling on the past, but you can acknowledge it and try to make things better. Or try a new way, and know that this time will be different. A note from the author. Sometimes a new discovery can transform a story you thought you understood and make it come alive in ways you don't anticipate. A few years ago, I learned that my Japanese-Canadian uncle was named after Mackenzie King, the Prime Minister who would eventually order all Japanese-Canadians to be sent to internment camps during World War II. How had my uncle felt, I wondered, as he entered the gates of Tashmi Internment Camp at 12 years old, bearing the name of the man who had sent him there. How had he felt decades later? Because I couldn't stop wondering, I wrote this book. This time will be different has changed quite a lot since its early drafts, but the questions driving it have always been the same. How are we affected as victims and as perpetrators by the failures of the past? How do we measure the harm done to us as individuals and families and as communities? How do we decide what to let go, what to forgive, what to carry into the future? I hope this book has made you laugh and cry and fall in love. I hope that it will spark conversations about taking a closer look at our personal and collective histories, how to take responsibilities for those histories, and what it takes to move forward. And as our public discourse sounds increasingly, disturbingly familiar, I hope that CJ's story will inspire us all to make sure that this time really will be different. Misa Sugiura. Mm. Index of Flowers and Their Meanings. Years ago, a family friend created a beautiful Ikebana arrangement for my wedding and explained to me the symbolism of each different component. Long life, good luck, high aspirations. That symbolism stuck with me, and I was excited to use it in, this time will be different. But as I wrote, I realized that I wanted to show that the Katsuyamas, an American family, had broader cultural influences than just Japan. Because of this, CJ's system of flower magic, like her family and like our country, is influenced by traditions and interpretations from around the world. No two books or website list the same meanings for all the plants, And there's a lot of room for interpretation. So if you don't like the meaning listed here for your favorite flower, don't despair. Just find a meaning that you do like. Allspice, compassion, almond branch, hope, aloe, grief, solace, aster, reciprocity, bay leaves, victory, Black Eyed Susan, Justice. Carnation Yellow, Denial, Disdain. Cedar, Strength. Chamomile, Patience, Humility. Chrysanthemum, Red, Vitality, Longevity. Eucalyptus, Purity, Health. Fennel, Worthiness. Flax, Fate. Hawthorne, Hope, Heather, White, Good Luck, Holly, Purity, Enchantment, Magic, Hydrangea, Pride, Fragility, Iris, Noble Heart, Eloquence, Ivy, Friendship, Fidelity, Jade Plant, Prosperity, Luck, Jasmine, Eloquence, Juniper, Resilience, Hope in Adversity, Larkspur, Infidelity, Lichen, Lace, Bond Between Mother and Child, Lilac, Early Love, Memory, Lilac, Primrose, Confidence, Lily, calla, Sophisticated Beauty, The National Flower of Ethiopia, Lily, Chinese, Fertility, Lily. Tiger. Prosperity. Passion. Pride. Oak Moss. Healing. Orange branches. Sweetness. Palm leaf. Fate or fame. Pansy. Think of me. Peony. Pink. Romance. Peony. Red. Nobility. Good fortune. Fertility. Pepperberry. Healing. Protection. Pine, pinecone, long life, hope, and adversity. Rose leaf, hope. Rose, pink, friendship. Rose, purple, enchantment. Rose, red, love. Rose, white, self-worth. Rosebud, pink, new love, friendship. Sage, health, long life. Southern wood, wit, charm. Star of Bethlehem, Reconciliation, Stonecrop, Perseverance, Sunflower, False Pride, Violet, Blue, Love, Fidelity, Violet, White, Take a Chance on Love, Water Lily, Purity.